Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. This week, the top story has to be the historic moment for the United States as President Donald Trump becomes the third president in American history to be impeached. Both articles, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, passed along party lines. The next step is to move to a trial in the Senate in the new year, where Republicans have said that they will not remove him from office. For more on this story, we spoke to Ginger Gibson. She's a political reporter for Reuters. We talked about the impeachment vote, and we also touched on what the legacy of President Trump will be and also House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. This was one um, of the most significant days in the history of the United States Congress and the presidency. A president has only been impeached three times now. This was the third time this vote has been taken in the United States House. Um, It will be remembered in our history books. uh, Whatever legacy Trump lives, he will forever be one of only uh, those three presidents to be impeached. The House went through hours and hours of debate. They called it debate. That's not, they weren't really debating anything. Everybody was just taking turns kind of making statements uh, against the other party. Uh, Democrats were uh, uh, positioning President Trump as really a villain, almost to democracy and to the country. And the Republicans were positioning him as a hero, touting a lot of his uh, work with the economy and just how he's been railroaded by the Democrats. Tell us a little bit about the debate process that was going on earlier. I think you're right. Debate might be a generous term to use to describe what happened on the U.S. House floor uh, before this vote uh, on Wednesday. Most of it was them making their arguments and talking past one another. Um, there was uh, no surprises and and truly no minds changed in the process. Uh, we heard Democrats going over and over the evidence they see in this case, what they argue was an abuse of power, uh, detailing what the president did, and then trying to make the case uh, more to the American public that it it endangered Americans, that it endangered uh, not just the Constitution and the democracy, uh, but national security in general, uh, because the president was asking a foreign country to interfere in our elections. Republicans uh, really didn't engage in the facts so much. I mean, when you look at like what happened, what the president said and did, he hasn't disputed it. It's been the yeah. characterization that he's disputed from Democrats and Republicans. Republicans uh, mostly uh, decided to argue um, the procedure, that the process was unfair to the president, as well uh, that this was not rooted in any type of uh, legitimate grievance against the president, but instead based on just uh, a vindictiveness or a hatred that Democrats hold towards the president. Let's talk a little bit about legacy. That's the word that's been thrown around a lot. And and I want to talk about it in a a few separate terms, a few separate ways. First of all, Republicans, it seems like now we we did a story previously on the podcast about the tribalization of politics. And with this vote kind of almost completes that whole thing. And it very much seems now that the Republicans are the party of Trump. They've been going through this transition. 
That's right. You know, I was um, at a Trump campaign uh, event last week and a senior official asked about what the Republican Party was going to look like after the Trump presidency, whether it be uh, the end of this term or another, said, you know, we've already uh, taken over. His words uh, were a hostile takeover of the Republican Party. Uh, But we see a very different party, even than we saw a few years ago uh, when Paul Ryan was Speaker of the House. uh, There was much less tendency to defend the president, to rally behind him. Uh, They would attack Democrats, but they wouldn't really uh, argue that the president uh, was not at fault. Uh, the the U.S. House of Kevin McCarthy uh, is quite different. And we heard uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, sort of come to the president's defense, uh, followed by his party. The, the yelling, the heckling we heard from Republicans on the House floor, uh, in quite contrast to, to the way Nancy Pelosi was handling her caucus, uh, shows you some of the differences that we've seen in that party over time. She's going to go down in history uh, almost in a similar way that President Donald Trump is. Uh, I mean, she is uh, the first female speaker of the House. Uh, she was very involved in the whole impeachment process from top to bottom. She was approving witnesses. She was approving news releases, all this stuff. What is her legacy going to be like? Because I'm sure she'd rather tie her accomplishments to Affordable Care Act and other major uh, milestones that she's passed, things that she's helped uh, be a part of. But this is also another one that she's involved with now. I have no doubt Nancy Pelosi will go down as one of the greatest tacticians to ever lead the United States House. Uh, the best whip to work in Congress since LBJ. Um, she has an astute understanding of not just the House, but politics on a macro level. Uh, she was very reluctant to have the House embark on an impeachment inquiry. She pushed back uh, against her members who had been clamoring for this for some time until she saw this Ukraine incident and she said that it was a bridge too far, that it could not be tolerated. Um, she will be remembered, I think, uh, for this process. She will be remembered for how she handled it. Um, and I think, at least in the short term, Democrats have really grown uh, to sort of adore her and respect her for the way that she's able uh, to engage with and and win some victories against President Trump. The next step is the Senate trial in the new year, uh, kind of the same way we knew that uh, Democrats were going to impeach him in the House. We know that uh, Senate Republicans are going to acquit him there during that trial. Um, you know, what do we make of that? Because I know a lot of Democrats now I mean, they went through all of this and uh, the politically vulnerable Democrats voted for impeachment. Uh, it makes it seem all for naught, maybe, because of we because we already know that he will be acquitted in the Senate. Well, they would argue it's not for naught that they were acting upon what they felt was the right thing to do for the country. But you are correct uh, that this is unlikely to go very far uh, in the Senate. In fact, uh, Mitch McConnell has raised the prospect of not having witnesses of moving through this very quickly once uh, the Senate returns after the holidays in January. Um, We can expect to see uh, the Senate take this up uh, very quickly uh, to to move on to this, to not delay getting started. Uh, And then uh, we can expect to see them acquit. Uh, The number of Republicans that would have to flip sides uh, in order to remove the president is likely to be an insurmountable hurdle for those who would like to see him gone. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we 
we expect President Trump to declare himself vindicated, right. uh, proven to have done nothing wrong. The story really continues all the way to the election, because that's where the consequences are all going to matter. That's when we know if the president would be reelected. That's when we know if voters will not uh, put uh, will not vote for Democrats who voted against the president. Uh, really, this story goes on all the way into the election. They'll be talking about this impeachment vote on both sides of the aisle uh, for the next year, maybe longer. But surely until we get to November of 2020, uh, Democrats think that even if the Senate acquits him, this is going to rally their supporters to do even more to get him removed from office. Republicans think uh, that once they acquit him, his supporters will see this impeachment vote as an unfair attack and rally to come to his defense. Ginger Gibson, political reporter for Reuters, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And as usual, after that historic vote, the fighting still continues. The impeachment trial is in doubt as Democrats might weigh withholding the articles and sending them over to the Senate. Speaker Nancy Pelosi said she would wait to see what the trial in the Senate would look like before sending the two articles of impeachment there. And that leaves all of the timing in doubt. Senate Republicans wanted to get this done as quickly as possible after they came back from the holiday break. But if the Democrats withhold the articles, it could delay the whole process. The reason for this is that Nancy Pelosi might be trying to get an upper hand in the negotiations about how the trial would proceed. But Senator Mitch McConnell laid into Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats saying that they're afraid of setting the articles over because it reflects that they have a weak case against the president. So we'll have to see what the Democrats eventually decide to do and when we will get this trial in the Senate in the new year. Another interesting story we covered this week. You have to be careful what you buy from third party sellers on Amazon. You could be buying trash, literally. Some sellers are buying liquidation items or even dumpster diving and then turning around and selling them on Amazon. And they're recording some of their exploits on YouTube and putting it up there and showing how they're acquiring these items. As an experiment, some Wall Street Journal reporters went trash picking. They set up a store on Amazon and sold their dumpster products. For more on this, we spoke to Khadija Safdar. She's a Wall Street Journal reporter. And she told us more about how these third-party sellers are using a program called Fulfillment by Amazon to get away with this. It's all about getting that prime badge on their products. So we found sellers who said that they were basically able to offer items from the trash, clean them up, mark them as new, and sell them on Amazon with the prime logo. And basically this came from the idea that their sellers are trying to find items as cheaply as possible. And while we were exploring this world of the way people source inventory, we found that they are often sourcing other people's rejects. So this means customer returns, items from thrift stores, abandoned storage units, and sometimes they're even turning to commercial dumpsters to find goods to sell on Amazon. And then many of those dumpster divers, they actually document the hunting process on YouTube channels. So I talked to several of those folks and they gave me kind of an explanation of why they do it, how they go about doing it. But we really felt in order to understand whether this was as easy as they said it was and just to fact check each step of the process and also to test out Amazon's screening process that we had to kind of see for ourselves. So that's why we decided to carry out this whole thing as an experiment. So let's go through this process. Amazon, I know for their part, it says, you know, you're not supposed to be selling trash, things like that. If an item is used, you should be marking it as such. But really where all of this kind of comes together is 
the fulfillment by Amazon program where these third-party sellers can send their products to a fulfillment center from Amazon. From there, Amazon does all the work of actually shipping the product out. There's a couple of things that happen there. On the website, it's labeled Prime, so people know that they can get that free shipping and get it shipped quickly. And then the boxing, the, the packaging changes. It comes in Amazon packaging. So people are really thrown off by that. They think that it's official products or brand new products. And you also see the Amazon shipping label, too, on those boxes. So I did some reporting about the warehouse vetting process, which is also part of the story. And there are warehouse workers inside those facilities that are supposed to flag items if they see something that's broken. So I talked to a number of them. They said that the volume is just so large and that they often ignore things, even if they see them broken. And basically, there's some instances where some workers, they change expiration dates in the computer system so they don't have to go through the complicated disposal process throwing out these items. Because you have to remember that these workers, they're being timed. So like they have a certain quota of bins and different items that they have to scan in a certain time frame. So a lot of them said that, you know, it's really hard to be meeting all those time requirements and then also execute all these additional tasks. Changing expiration dates on certain things, I mean, that's pretty bad just to get out of having to do a little bit of extra work. But some of that does get reflected on the comment sections. People do when they find something, hey, this is expired or these products are coming in and they're faulty or moldy. There's some pretty crazy horror stories that come from third party sellers. We did a deep analysis of comment section on certain kinds of products, so like over-the-counter medication, food, makeup, and we found that there was a lot of comments where people were complaining about packaging being unsealed, where with medication being expired, baby formula expired, moldy protein bars. So customers are often receiving faulty, compromised products, and then they do some portion of those customers do end up leaving reviews on the website, and then they may end up requesting a refund. And Amazon does have a pretty generous refund policy. You mentioned the uh, moldy protein bars. There was uh, somebody that said, my daughter has eaten a handful of them and called me to the kitchen today to show me there was mold on the bar she had eaten half of. So nobody wants to hear any of that stuff. And as I said at the beginning, you know, it's all about the Amazon Prime labels and even these Amazon Choice labels where a lot of these products get that slapped on there and people kind of get this false sense of security thinking they're getting something official or brand new. That's one of the things that we heard a lot about just the FBA process, because when these third party sellers send those items into the FBA warehouse, they do end up being able to have that prime logo. And then it's really hard for the average consumer to be able to distinguish when they're looking at an item, like who's selling it. And then Amazon also has something called commingling, which is a default setting where when you're buying an item from a particular seller, that might not be the seller whose item you're getting. So they might send a different seller's item for efficiency's sake. Let's talk about the store that you guys set up. You were actually part of a team of reporters there that went dumpster diving, got a few items, listed them on Amazon. Tell us about that whole process. Me and a colleague of mine, we went dumpster diving. And the main reason was we wanted to test out how easy this really is. We wanted to understand, first of all, whether stores are really throwing away enough goods in the trash for that look legitimate enough that it would make sense for somebody to go through those items. And then secondly, whether Amazon's process even allows for something like this. So we went dumpster diving behind stores like Michael, Trader Joe's, and we were able to find dozens of items that were unopened. And it was pretty easy, actually, to sell them on the site. We were asked for a driver's license and a statement, so that was provided by a reporter. 
And what we did was we sold three items on the store, a sheet of scrapbook paper, a stencil set, and a Trader Joe's jar of lemon curd. And each of those items, we waited for them to be listed, and then we purchased those items back ourselves just because we didn't want anyone to end up with garbage. Right. And you guys did sign up to that fulfillment by Amazon program as well, right? So we paid thirty nine ninety nine a month to set up the account. Then we had to pay additional storage fees. So the longer you leave an item at the warehouse, the more the storage fees can rack up. But then I just wanted to make the point that when you're dumpster diving, you're getting the item completely free. So it's just all profit, aside from the Amazon fees. And what was the condition of the products when they came back to you? The stencil set was bent in half, so it was actually in worse condition when we got it back through the mail. And the stencil set and the piece of paper, they were repackaged in the Amazon box and Amazon envelope and then were sent back to us. The lemon curd jar actually came back in the exact same box with the exact same tape with the same exact bubble wrap. So it doesn't look like anyone even opened it. And it had an Amazon label affixed to the top. What about the company, you know, like a company like Trader Joe's, when something like this happens with their products, have they made any type of statements regarding this? So Trader Joe's said that they don't approve of the sale of their products on Amazon, that they can only guarantee freshness and quality standards at their own stores. They also said that they don't throw away items unless they're unfit for sale. So when they're throwing away items, basically that they're either returned, unsealed, there's a foreign matter in the object, there's a range of possibilities, but that was the explanation they gave for why they threw away what they threw away. What has been the reaction from Amazon themselves? Because you did this as an experiment, you set up the store, obviously you bought the items back so nobody would get trash. Amazon did eventually shut down your online marketplace there, but what has their official reaction been to this? Amazon didn't have a policy explicitly prohibiting the sale of trash when we set up the store, but they did add language after we revealed our store to them last month. So we went to them to seek comment. They said these are isolated incidences and they would investigate the matter. And the language that they added was basically to their restricted products. And it was like long verbiage, but it basically means that you can no longer take items out of the trash. These are extreme cases. Obviously, you specifically set up this experiment to get items from a trash bin and sell it on Amazon. I know the reports are that there have been people that have done it and and documented those exploits on YouTube and things like that. But it's not 100% that, you know, there's people that, as you mentioned before, buy things liquidation style. So they buy a bunch of products, they sift through it, and some of those items are still in decent condition. And some might consider this kind of in that same vein, you know, you're buying items at a lower price point and selling them for a higher markup. But that's also going on, too. Because this is like a third-party marketplace, they're looking for creative ways to source items on the cheap. And there's a ton of different ways that you can do that. So one of those ways is liquidation boxes. So when a big box chain doesn't feel like they can sell an item anymore because it's been returned or excess inventory, they ship them in huge boxes to liquidation companies, which then offer them on e-commerce sites. So you can get them pretty cheap. And then these folks, what they do is they dig through these boxes. They look for items that look legitimate, that they think that they can turn a profit online and they sell them. Another way that's like these abandoned storage units. So sometimes these storage companies, when somebody doesn't pay their bills for a storage unit, will auction off the items. And so they will go through the storage unit to look for new items or something that they can sell online. And they will do that. And sometimes people look in thrift stores, like you can use your imagination, different kinds of ways where you can find items. Khadija Safdar, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. 
Don't forget to join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition.